There's an old story about two friends that were taking a car trip across Florida. And as they were driving along, they entered a town, and one of the friends said, Oh, we're in Kissimmee. I've always wanted to visit Kissimmee. And his friend said, Well, that's where we are, but it's actually pronounced Kissimmee. That's how they say it down here. They say Kissimmee. He says, No, no, I've always heard Kissimmee. They said, No, it's Kissimmee. And they argued back and forth for quite a while. Finally, they said, Look, it's almost time to eat anyway. Let's pull into a restaurant and let's ask a local how to pronounce the name of the town. So they pulled up to a drive through window. A voice on the other end comes on and says, may I take your order? And the guy driving says, first, can you settle an argument between my friend and I? Can you tell us the name of this place and pronounce it slowly and clearly? And she said, Burger King. Now do you want a Whopper or what? We have those little quirks of language, those little quirks of pronunciation, and we recognize when we hear some people say some things, you can tell that person's not from around here. We've got quite a few of them here locally, you know. We've got quite a few things that we pronounce a certain way that people in other places just don't even know how to pronounce. Just, just for the fun of it, Grace is going to put a picture up here. Tell me, how do you, when you hear someone say this, how do you know they're not from around here? What will they say? Mutoon, right. You could tell them it's not Mutoon. So yeah, they say Mutoon, and we say, I always wondered, there is a Mattoon, Kentucky, and I wonder how they pronounce it. Probably Mattoon, probably, I don't know how they do it. What's the next one, Grace? How do, how do people who aren't from around here pronounce it? Pagliize. How's it supposed to be pronounced, Ronnie? Pagliize, Ronnie knows. He is an officiator. He was there last night. When I was in college, I would bring friends home on the weekends and they knew that was good pizza and they wanted to go there, but they couldn't say it. And they'd say, well, can we go to Pie Eyes tonight? Just Pie Eyes? Can we go to Pie Eyes? All right, what about this one? How do you pronounce that? How do, how do the foreigners pronounce it? Casey. I had a guy in college. I was dating Trish. And he asked me where my girlfriend was from. And I said, she's from Casey. He said, no, it's Casey. I said, no, it's Casey. She said, he said, no, I know a guy from there. It's Casey. He just moved there. It's Casey. I said, well, you know, they, they have crazy Casey days in the fall, right? Or in the summer. They also have the radio station, which Trish worked at, by the way. W-K-Z-I. I think it's Casey. You know, it's Casey. One more, or another one, Grace. Okay, when someone's not from around here, what do they call that? The Embarrassed River. Do you know why it's called the Embarrassed River? Because you can see its bottom. Thank you, Eric. Would you like to come up and finish the sermon here? One more, and you know, what is it? Illinois. You can tell someone's not around here. There's no noise in Illinois. Sometimes there's noise in Illinois. But uh, there's, a, there's a singer from Illinois who has a, an album called uh, Come On, Feel the Illinois. Uh, so he's kind of playing off of that. So that's it. Thank you, Grace. Thank you very much. Yeah, we all recognize that. You hear someone mispronounce polyize or Casey or Matoon, and you immediately think, you're not from around here, are you? you know, that, that fellow here, he ain't from around here. Little things like that that tell us that that's not a, that person's not local to us. They don't share the area. They don't share our heritage. They may not share some of our ideas or our ideals. We might even be a little suspicious of someone that doesn't know how to pronounce the words that we know so well around here. 
But you know, the same would be true of us. Plop us down in the middle of Manhattan. What are they going to do? They're going to take one look at you and me and say, that's a hayseed is what that is. They're going to take us for a rube and they're going to try to sell us the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, they're, they're going to immediately know that we're not from around there. Jesus made it very clear His kingdom is not of this world. In other words, we're not from around here. There is to be a distinction between Jesus' followers and the people of this world. We do not see this world as our primary identity. And that gives us a different perspective. That gives us maybe even a different language than the people around us because we have a different Lord and we're from a different kingdom. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 17. If you're using the blue Bibles there in front of you, it's page 1015. If you've got your phone with you and you want to follow along on the Bible app, all of the notes are there. Peter's writing to Christians, to followers, to people who, to people who have no home here on earth. In fact, back in verse one of chapter one, it was there that he wrote, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those are places that they may have been living, but that's not where they belong. And that was not where they were to find their identity. They are exiles. Some of your Bibles say strangers in this world. You're strangers in this world. You're not from around here. And so from the very beginning, from the very first verse of his little letter here, Peter is calling us to view ourselves separate from, different from, the world around us. Now that, that might put us in a position of conflict sometimes with the world around us. But it also can put us in a position of influence, a position to help the people around us because we choose to find our identity not here, but rather we find our identity in Jesus. And what Peter is reminding us is something that we've, well, we've sung about it for years. We've had these songs that, that we sing about it. But have we really believed it? Have we really thought it through? Have we understood what it means to declare, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through? That's an old song. We're going to do it again here a little bit later, but that's a song that, that I've sung for years. I don't know if you know that one or not. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You know that one? Have you heard that one? You're going to hear it later. It's going to be great. We sing it. We declare it. But what does it look like to live that out? Does it look like what some groups do, like the Amish and the Mennonites, where they separate themselves completely from those around them? They dress different. They act different. They work different. Does it mean that we don't get involved in the world around us? Does it mean that we don't participate? That we don't vote? That we don't share our views? That we don't share their concerns? What does it look like for you and me to be exiles, to be strangers, to be sojourners in this world. So we're calling this sermon series, This Is Us, because it's about who we are together, not just as individuals. We're looking at the images in the Bible of the church as a group. What is our group identity? And it is so essential that we, it's so essential that we remember that it's not that, well, you're an exile, you're a sojourner, you're a stranger. No, this is who we are 
together as one. This is our group identity. And so, and as such, we, we support each other. We encourage each other. We care for each other. Peter begins here in verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 9, every one of those identities there is something that we share together. It has to be something we share together. You can't be a one-person nation. It just doesn't work that way. We have to be these things together. They link us. They connect us. They bring unity to our identity. But they also distinguish us from the people who are around us. If we are a holy nation, and let me remind you again, when he says holy nation, he's not talking about any earthly nation. He's talking about our identity as citizens of heaven. If we are a holy nation, then that takes precedence over any other identity that we might have. Any other sense of national identity. Again, it was Jesus who said in John chapter 18, verse 35, My kingdom is not of this world. George Shultz was Secretary of State under President Reagan. And as Secretary of State, he was in charge of the diplomats, the ambassadors. And so as, as new ambassadors were assigned to different countries, Schultz would bring them into his office and kind of brief them on what they needed to be aware of. They would talk about policies and procedures, cultural differences between the United States and that country, and little problems that they may have to work through. And after he had met with these new ambassadors, he would escort them out of his office, but before he did, he had a globe off to the side, and he would say, show me your country on this globe. And the the, the ambassadors would, would turn the, the globe and, and point to their country. Every one of them got it wrong. Every one of them got it wrong. Well, they, they pointed to the country to whom they had been assigned, the country that they were going to go be an ambassador to, but that wasn't Schultz's question. He said, show me your country. And he would turn the globe back and point to the United States and says, no, no, this is your country. This is who you represent. This is who you belong to. Don't ever forget that what George Schultz was trying to communicate to those ambassadors is what Peter wants us to see here. Recognize where your loyalty lies. Recognize where your loyalties lie. Over and over again, Peter reminds his readers, you're not from around here. Chapter 1, verse 1, you are exiles. You are strangers in this world. Chapter 2, verse 11, you are exiles. You are sojourners. And it's not just that this is not your world, this is not your home. This world's standards are not to be our standards. Uh, your behavior, your character, the way that you live is a declaration of who you are and whose you are, who you belong to. Verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. You hear that phrase and admit it. You hear the phrase, passions of the flesh. And you immediately think of, you know, a soap opera. Or maybe you're thinking about those, those novels that you see in the five and dime store 
you know, the, the, those trashy romance novels with the guy on the cover with his hair flowing, his shirt ripped. I used to pose for those. I don't know if you guys know that or not. I used to pose. But you're thinking about that, you know, Veronica's eyes betrayed her as she gave in to the passions of her flesh. You know, and that's certainly part of what Peter is talking about here. But that's not everything. The word passions here are about the things that, that we want. It can mean anything that we desire. The Gospel of Luke, as they're preparing for the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Jesus says, it is with desire that I have wanted to share this meal with you, I would share this Passover. It's that same word. It's that word for passion. The key is, where does that passion come from? Where does that desire come from? Is it something that God tells you you need? Or is it this world? Are you giving in to the passions of the flesh and betraying your loyalty to Jesus? And this is where we have to be really careful. Because this world sucks us in. This world tells us that if we're going to be happy, if we're going to be safe, if we're going to be fulfilled, these are the things that we need. If we, and so we sacrifice and we save, and sometimes we set aside our loyalty to Jesus, and we realize that, that these things don't fulfill us, but our passions tell us we need them. So we try harder. And you realize sometimes our passions aren't about the things we want. Sometimes our passions are about the things we're opposed to. Sometimes our passions are about things we don't like. We get passionate. And we get worked up. And we get, we get all up in, in a dander about things. We draw lines. And far too often, we define our faith by our passions, by the things that the world says we have to have. You're not a real American if you agree with that. You're not a, you're not a compassionate person if you disagree with this. There are a lot of good things out there that would love to have your loyalty. Your loyalty doesn't belong to those things. Peter says they wage war against your soul. Literally, he means they pull you apart from the inside. Be careful. Be careful when you don't find any conflict between what you believe and what the people on TV tell you you should believe. Be careful when you find no conflict between what you believe and what the guy on the news says you should believe. I don't care where you get your news from. I don't care what channel you're, looking, you're listening to or, or watching. Don't buy everything they're selling because this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. You ain't from around here. Make sure you don't forget that and make sure this world doesn't forget that about you. And make sure the world knows there's something different about you. Make sure they hear that in how you carry yourself. Make sure they hear that in the accent that you speak with. You know, when, when you don't share, when you don't share the same language as the locals, let your love speak for you instead. When you don't share the language of the locals, let your love speak for you. We can sing, this world is not my home, and we will in a little bit. And we can pray that prayer we prayed last week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But unless it impacts our behavior, unless it changes what we say, how we carry ourselves in this world, it's meaningless. We're, we're just lying to ourselves. If we're living exactly like this world, then who do we belong to? What does Jesus really mean to us? And what good are we to those around us? Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so, when they, so that when they speak evil against you, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There is to be something attractive about our character. There is to be something that looks different about our character from those around us and sounds different from the world. And that seems to be getting more and more rare these days. And that's, that's on us. We have failed to keep ourselves distinct from the world around us. And I've heard Christian people, I've heard good Christian people say some horrible things about people they just disagree with. I've heard Christian people say horrible things about those they disagree with. Sometimes it's politicians. I've heard Christian people wish death upon politicians they disagree with. Really? You really want someone to go through that? Celebrities? I don't know why we think that celebrities are immune to everything that Jesus has told us about how we treat other people and how we speak of other people. But celebrities count too. Activists, we disagree with people. We disagree and we get loud. We disagree, we get offensive. And you see, this is the point. The point isn't that we don't get involved. The point isn't that we don't weigh in on the problems of the world, but that when we do, the character of Jesus comes across clearly. His love comes through. His compassion comes through. As it is, it seems like when the world gets loud, we get louder. And then we sacrifice the character of Jesus. Who wins when that happens? All we do is show the world that we are no different than them. We don't have anything that they might want. Look at verses 13 through 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Did you notice that Peter had to mention the emperor twice in those verses? That's Nero, by the way. He mentions emperor Nero twice. I want to remind you two things about the emperor back in those days. First of all, you didn't get to vote him out every four years. In fact, your opinion didn't matter on who was emperor. That person was going to stay emperor until someone else took him out. You didn't get to vote him out every four years. The second thing you need to know about the emperor is he had some of them killed including the Apostle Paul, had him beheaded. Uh, we, we have stories of, the, of Emperor Nero having, having Christians tortured in the arena as entertainment. We have stories of him hanging them from pikes in his garden, dressing them in shirts made of wax and lighting them on fire in his garden to, to give light to his parties. And what does Peter say? He says, you honor the emperor. Peter says, you show respect you honor Him. Why? Not because of who He is, but because of your character. Because of who Jesus is to you. But wait, there's more. Look at verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, 
you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is the will of God. That you should get rude with people who are ignorant. No, he doesn't say that. This is the will of God that you ought to shout down other people on the internet that you disagree with. No, that's not what he says. This is the will of God that you ought to gossip about people that post things on the internet that you don't like. No, that's not what he says. This is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. No one is won over when we try to one-up them on foolishness. No one is won over by us just getting louder and more foolish. When we sound exactly like the world, there is no reason for the world to listen to us. And so let your love speak for you. Let Jesus' love speak through you. Three times in this little passage, Peter has to use the word honor. He talks about having honorable conduct. Then he talks about honor everyone. Everyone. That might be harder than just the emperor, by the way. Honor everyone and then honor the emperor. You see, this is the point. The point is not that we don't get involved. The point is not that we live a life completely separate off into our own little world where we, we all just take care of each other. The point is not that we don't weigh in on the problems in our community and in our world. The point is that when you are confident of your loyalty, when you're confident of your loyalty to Jesus, your anger does not have to speak for you at that point. When your conduct speaks for you, you don't have to yell. You don't have to yell about the people that you're opposed to. You can honor the position. You can even honor that person. Because you know, I'm not from around here. This world is not my home. I want you to notice verse 16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. You know what the great thing about sojourners and strangers, travelers back in those days was? You know what the great thing was? They were free. They didn't have to obey. They, didn't have to, they had no obligations to the government. They had no obligations to an earthly master. They could do whatever they wanted. So you know what Peter calls them to do? Live as servants. He's echoing what Paul said, by the way. Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Remember who you belong to. Remember where your home is. And so I ask you strangers today, what will your freedom in this world look like this week? What does the freedom that you have in Christ look like in this world, in this community, this week. I think we need to look for opportunities to interact with people in our community. When you talk to someone at the post office or at the bank or at the junction, when you talk to someone, remember who you belong to. We do not have to get caught up in the arguments. We do not have to get caught up in the drama. This is not our world. Hit the farmer's market on Wednesday and spend some money with our friends. And more than that, spend some time just smiling at people. Spend some time greeting, them, greeting people with a smile. And you know what? Maybe if you smile long enough and you greet them nice enough, they might say, you're not from around here, are you? 
And you can say, no, no, I'm just passing through. Let me tell you about where I am from. Let me tell you about my home. Let me show you the compassion and the love that saved me. Jesus says in that wonderful passage in Matthew chapter 25, when he's talking about the sheep and the goats, he says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Right? There was a time when Jesus came to us as a stranger. There was a time when we didn't recognize him and yet we welcomed him in. God didn't come to save people who are just like him. God didn't come to save people who pronounce the words the same way he does. He came to people who would be strangers to him, to love them, to show them his love. We need to remember that. At one time, we were all outsiders, we were all outcasts. At one time, we didn't belong to God and we didn't belong to each other. And by his grace, we have each other. By his grace, we know him. That's not from us, that's not of us, that was a gift. Let's be willing to give that gift to the people that we encounter. People that might challenge us. People that might test our loyalty to Jesus. But let's be willing to give that gift.